The entrepreneur says, we're going to fly to Mars and terraform it and sustain a living human colony there. The commentator at thehill.com says, that's stupid. It's really stupid. <laughs> Hi, I'm Scott Ott with Bill Whittle and Stephen Green in this episode of Right Angle, brought to you by the members of BillWhittle.com. And gentlemen, there is actually a column by a Douglas McKinnon, I believe. I want to check his name to make sure I'm mispronouncing it correctly. There we go. Uh, yes, Douglas McKinnon, uh, who says that it is stupid to go to Mars. And he basically sees it as a big waste of money. Stephen Green, he says, uh, first of all, the launch window for getting to Mars only opens up every two years. It's like a six to 10 month journey. The physical and psychological burden on the people who are flying there in what he perceives to be a tiny capsule uh, is a huge risk to them. And then what? What? When you get there, it's like a uh, plant a flag and then make the round trip. It takes two years to even get back. The radiation would be horrendous. Um, even if the crew decides to stay for a little while, they have to have something to live in. How are we going to build that? Blah, 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 blah. And he goes on and on and basically says, there's zero benefit to it. It's a stupid waste of money. And uh, nevertheless, Elon Musk seems unfazed, Stephen. Imagine that. Uh, one of the reasons I love my wife so much is she's the one that taught me that the correct answer to most either or questions is yes. Uh, and she never does demonstrated this better than she did in our engagement party where she had a glass of uh, champagne in one hand and a glass of red wine in the other all night long. I love this girl. And this is not even an either or situation in this case. We've got we actually have three visions of uh, how to start conquering the solar system. We've got Elon Musk, who wants to send, I think, 10,000 round-trip starship flights to Mars to establish a self-sustaining human colony on Mars. And I love this, but if you read, if you're a Starlink customer, if you read the terms of service, you agree as a Starlink customer not to recognize any Earth government's claims <laughs> on Mars. <laughs> He's thought of everything. The other is uh, Jeff Bezos's vision, which is to build space habitats, uh, probably at Lagrange points, which are stable points between the Earth and the sun, uh, these Lagrange points. And, you know, out of the two visions, I think Bezos is probably the better vision. Uh, you can spin up a space habitat to one gravity. You can pressurize the entire atmosphere to something that we can breathe and live in without a spacesuit and, and all the rest. There's just one problem. That is, Elon Musk can actually get stuff out into space, and Bezos is still dicking around sending celebrities on suborbital flights. So, and suing, and suing uh, Musk so that he can't get stuff into space. Exactly. So I might think that Bezos has the better vision or maybe the easier vision for, for initial colonization of space, but it's Musk who's actually getting stuff done. So keep going, Elon. And the third one, of course, is to build a space base on the moon, which, as Bill said in backstage, and I think he's going to get into this more uh, here in your segment, Scott, is that once you have a base on the moon, the solar system is yours to conquer because it's got such a, a shallow gravity well. But again, I'll let Bill get into that. But this isn't an either or project. I just read a, a very lengthy article a few weeks ago from a rocket scientist's blog. And Bill, I sent you this link. I don't know if you had a chance to read it while you were sick. I think it's the most important thing I've read maybe this century. I can't remember the lady's name, actual rocket scientist, but talks about the economies of scale that Elon Musk's Starship 
brings. It decreases, assuming he executes this correctly, but I've got my fingers crossed. But if Starship comes to full fruition, it decreases by two orders of magnitude the cost of lifting one kilogram of mass into space. That's revolutionary. That means you have enough lift to build a moon base. You have enough lift to build uh, orbital colonies or Lagrange points colonies. You have enough lift to build Martian colonies, and you have enough lift to send probes to the outer planets, the likes of which scientists have only been able to dream of wistfully, the kinds of explorations that we've always wanted to do, but we've never had the lift to do. So don't tell me going to Mars is stupid when we're going to have the ability here in the next few years to go everywhere. Bill Whittle, Steve is right. Uh, Douglas McKinnon in this article in The Hill or opinion piece in The Hill seems to present the uh, either or alternative of either we go to Mars and spend $100 billion or we go to the moon and of course, uh, the way he describes the moon, you might think it was Vegas with like big name <laughs> entertainment and, and, you know, accommodations of luxury. <laughs> um, com comparatively speaking, you know, it's only three days to get there. You can obviously get a lot more stuff there a lot more quickly. There are these uh, lava tubes all over the moon, which I frankly only learned about recently, um, that you could literally get down inside of those things and, and live there. And it offers some protection uh, from radiation and a, a, a nice environment to build things in. Uh, and plus, they have estimated uh, that the moon is just absolutely uh, littered with uh, helium-3, which can be used in nuclear reactions of some sort that could generate power, whether on the moon or hauled back to Earth. Uh, and apparently you don't need very much of this stuff to generate a lot of power. Some 25 metric tons could power uh, the United States for a year, um, at least according to the studies Douglas McKinnon cites. Um, Bill, do you see this as an either or proposition? Uh, we go to the moon or we go to Mars, but if you don't stand for one, you're stupid because the other is better? Well, let me start by saying what happens on the moon stays on the moon. Um, <laughs> now, uh, if I had a limited pot of money and I had to make a decision about where to spend that money, I would do the moon base. Uh, I would do the moon base because because it gives you so much uh, capacity. Most people aren't aware of the fact that, it, that, that the total amount of, of energy needed to go to the moon in the Apollo missions, 97% of it was just to get into Earth orbit. And the rest of it is, is, is essentially free. Once you get out of the Earth's gravity, well, you, you're, you're free. The great thing about the moon is it's very big. And unlike Mars, it's the same distance away all the time. Moon's not, con we think of Mars, oh, well, here, here's Earth and here's Mars right next to us. Yeah. But half the time, Mars is on the other side of the sun. It's a long way away. So if I had a limited pot of money, I would do the moon base because then you can go anywhere and, uh, and do a lot of cool things. But there's two things here that are important. First of all, Elon Musk doesn't have a limited pot of money, and neither do, does humanity. And this entire idea of a limited pot of money is, is an anathema to exploration. We should be doing all of these things. But the second point I think is important is if it turned out that what Musk was doing was a one-time mission to put a flag on the moon and then come back, then this would be a no-brainer. Do the moon base. Do the moon base. It'd be no-brainer. 
But this guy is thinking on an entirely different level. He's not talking about going to Mars and planting a flag and coming back. He's talking about going to Mars and staying there. Favorite Elon Musk quote of all time is, I want to die on Mars. I just don't want to do it on landing. Um, and and when you when you look at it that way, then you realize that the allure of Mars being going to Mars was always as a kid. It was like, of course, we're going to go to Mars. We should be on Mars by 1980 at the latest if we if, if we take a break. So so the allure of Mars is if 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 it is strong enough. So that Elon Musk is setting up what he is actually setting up. He's talking about, he's, I think he's talking about something like that. First of all, the Starship is a heavy, heavy lift vehicle. I think it's got more lift than the, than the Saturn V. He's talking about flying 10 or 15 of these things a day, a day. So this guy is thinking about a conveyor belt out of the, out of the Earth's surface up into space. Once you get into orbit, then everything else is yours. If it turns out that the that the motivation for that kind of big thinking is the desire he's had his entire life to, to, to walk on Mars, then I say awesome, because it doesn't have to be one or the other. And if he can make anything like what he's talking about making and actually is making, I might point out, actually flying instead of just you know doing computer graphics, then then the then the the Mars missions that he's talking about are not missions in the way that we understood them during the Apollo era. That's not that's not what that's not what Musk is trying to do. He's not trying to he's not trying to do an Apollo program to Mars. He's trying to do a, a you know a, a commuter uh, rail line to Mars, basically. So you can do both, definitely. And um, and I have a feeling that that a guy who's savvy enough to put a you uh, agree that there are no Earth governments in space in your internet provider uh, uh, terms of service. I suspect a guy who's savvy uh, like that has probably already figured out what the benefits of being on the moon are, and is got his own plans for that as well. He doesn't want to be in the blast radius, you know. If you stay on the moon. <laughs> You're still too close. <laughs> and by the way, just really just add this one thing. A lot of this, because you mentioned, I think it mentioned in the article, or, or, or Musk has mentioned it, this idea that we, you know, China's racing for the moon and, you yeah. know, and, and we, we got to beat China. It's like our grandparents beat China. Uh, you know, let's let's be smart about this. It's not a question of, gee, is China going to beat us to the moon? No, we, we, our, our grandparents have been there. We've been there. We've been there six times. And um and we left cars up there for God's sake. So, um, you know, I just th th this is a country that got bored with going to the moon. I just <sighs> read an article today that was making a big deal about something that China had done with regard uh, to the moon, had, had flown there and flown some kind of specimen back. And it was celebrating this. And you got down about eight or nine paragraphs into the story. And it basically said that uh, this great achievement that China has made, this uh, earth-shattering um, accomplishment, uh, hadn't been done since the Russians did it in 1976 or something. <laughs> so, oh Here's a moon God. rock. Yeah, just put it in the put it in the pile, will you? That's right. Exactly. There's like a dumpster out behind the Smithsonian that has <laughs> some of the not the <laughs> not less nice yeah, ones, the less shiny ones. ones. Yeah, I didn't like the looks of this one. Threw it away. We brought back hundreds of pounds of moon rocks. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I think uh, the reason that this story appealed to me is, first of all, I mean, obviously the, the clickbait headline and the idea for the story came because nobody knows who Douglas McKinnon is and he wants people to know. And so what you can do is you can take something that everybody think is, thinks is a fantastic idea and then write a headline that says it's stupid. And that'll draw attention to it. Um, it does, though, highlight, as Bill pointed out, this kind of difference in the thinking. Uh, I'll say it this way. The, the thinking of innovative societies compared to the thinking of societies that are still mired in the 1400s. Um, and that is that uh, there's not just one pie and there aren't a limited number of slices of that pie. Um, the human mind creates pie and lots of it and extra slices, even from what looks like a single pan of pie. <laughs> and so uh, that's, the, that's just the beauty of this life that I think probably 95% of us fail to grasp. We live thinking that there's only so much and that you know it's not gonna get much better than this. And I'm sorry, but you know, you've peaked and that you can't go any further and that's, that's the best you can do. Meanwhile, there's some jack wagon sitting down in Texas gone, let's see, do you think we could actually run a subway track from here to Mars? You know, maybe we could do that. <laughs> and he's trying to figure out how to make that happen. And, and what I would say is get the hell out of his way. Just, yes, just get out of his way. Okay, let's say he fails. Let's say he pours hundreds of billions or millions of dollars into this effort and it doesn't work. The very process of trying to do this will throw off benefits that are salutary for society for the next 300 years. Just And the, it's his money, it's, not my and, money. Yeah, and, and of course, he does get some tax benefits and he gets government contracts, but he's flying government contracts for like every country on earth when he's putting salary satellites in orbit. So if there's somebody who's doing something great and some critic rises up on his hind legs to denounce it, then that to me is the stamp of approval for what the great crazy man is doing. And I would see that as the ultimate endorsement. When, when pundits and commentators rise up and denounce you, you know you are just a hair's breadth from victory. For Bill Whittle and Stephen Green, I'm Scott Odd. Thanks to the members at BillWhittle.com for making Right Angle possible. 